0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Well, as we've said, the bad news is, is that it's a little bit hot. I feel like it went up like three degrees as we were sitting there singing. But the good news is, if you've ever wondered, what would it take for Pastor Brandon to give a short message? You're about to find out. Now, just a caveat to that, like short for me. So give me a little bit of grace on that statement. But, you know, all jokes aside, it is awesome to be here. It's great to uh, be preaching to people, not just the camera, uh, but also we're glad that you are watching at home, those of you who are watching through the camera. But this morning we're going to be continuing our series in the Book of Romans. And we're nearing the end. We're we're almost there. We're kind of in the last section of Romans. We've got about six weeks left of our study. And we're going to look at a passage that I think is perfect for this particular moment, where we are as a church right now, that as we think about uh, just coming back together, as we begin to gather together, as we kind of push through the challenges and the uncertainty of what meeting together is going to look like, whether outside or inside, and the heat and the cold, all of that, as we think about that, as we consider that, as you think about it from home, we're going to look at a passage today that reminds us of why it matters that we meet together, why it's worth it that we do the hard work of relearning and rebuilding a thriving community. Now, before we jump into our passage, I just kind of want to recap where we've been. If you uh, listened to the message last week, we kind of entered into a new section of Romans. Uh, Chapters 1 to 11 kind of look at this big, beautiful, grand picture of the gospel of God's faithfulness in sending Jesus to redeem us from sin, to empower us with the Holy Spirit. And as we turn into Romans 12, we begin to look at what life looks like in response to God's grace and faithfulness. We look at what it is that the Christian life is supposed to entail. And last week's uh, passage was kind of the, uh, the topic sentence of this entire section. And to put it in its most basic form, Paul says here, be committed to God. Be totally committed, devoted, give your whole life and your whole self to God. Be a living sacrifice. And he says what this means, what this looks like, how you do it, is to have your mind renewed is be transformed by the renewing of your mind that in some sense how we think and what we think about is a key to living this devoted committed life and so our passage this morning kind of continues this train of thought in answering those questions of what does this mean what does it mean to live as a living sacrifice how do we renew our minds to experience this transformation So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. We're just going to read another short passage this morning. Romans uh, 12, verses 3 to 5. Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in essence, Paul is giving the church a very simple exhortation here. And the basics of it is, think differently. Think differently about how you view yourself in relation to others. He says, don't think proudly. Instead, think soberly or or sensibly. Think of yourself as a part of a body. Now, let's make a really important connection here. We just talked about how in Romans 2, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then just one verse later in verse three, he says, hey, think this way. Think with your mind differently about how you view yourself and how you view others. What we see is that our passage is, again, continuing this thought from last week, and we're being given a transformative thought pattern, a renewed way of thinking that will help us live as living sacrifices, that will help us live committed lives for God, to live as holy and pleasing to God. And at the heart of this renewed way of thinking, this new pattern, is this basic belief. You are part of a body. You are part of the body of Christ. And that means that the true nature of your faith the true nature of your relationship with God is communal. Now, this might sound like a pretty simple, familiar ideal, but I think it's easy to take for granted how completely radical this idea is, this picture of the Christian life is. Now, think for a second about how I think we typically view our faith, our our spiritual lives. I think it's safe to say that most of us tend to think of our faith primarily as about our individual, personal relationships with Jesus. For most of us, the Christian life is first and foremost about how I, Brandon, or I, Eric, or I, Nick, or I, Sam, how I personally relate to God, how I know him, how I love him and am loved by him how I serve him. And we know that, you know, community is important. We acknowledge that community is good. But I think mostly in the sense that it helps us to grow in our personal, individual faiths. It adds to our personal faith. It's an application of my faith. And I'm going to call this way of thinking an avenger's faith. Now, I know that sounds really cool, and you're thinking, yeah, I want an Avengers faith, but you know, before you go off and start making shirts with like Avenger faith, let me be clear, this is like the bad version, I don't wanna, I don't wanna trick you. But think about how the Avengers work, right? Each Avenger has their own individual hero story. They each have their own powers, they have their own separate lives, and usually they deal with their problems on their own. To put it in another way, they're all the stars of their own movie. And most of the time they do the hero work separately. Now every once in a while when a need arises, they come together, right? If there's a problem that they can't solve, if there's a Avenger level threat that they have to deal with, we get a team up movie. We've also seen that apparently every once in a while they get together and they have dinner parties and they talk about all of their separate superhero adventures and exploits. But for their most part, their primary existence, their primary identity as heroes is kind of on their own. They make decisions on their own, they solve problems on their own, and they fight bad guys on their own. And I think in a way, this is how we think about our faith sometimes. You know, we have our own individual faith stories. You know, I I come to faith as an individual and I'm mostly focused on my own personal growth story. To put it another way, we are the stars of our own faith movie. Now, once in a while, you know, we go and we hang out at faith headquarters and we get together with other faith superheroes and we talk about our spiritual exploits and adventures. We commiserate about the highs and the lows. Sometimes we band together when times are tough or when there's something that we need to accomplish together. But primarily, the growth process is very personal. It's something that happens between me and God. And, you know, this is something that makes sense to us. It's it's comfortable for us. It fits the way we do the rest of our lives as individuals. And so because of this, the, the core of our faith is largely private. More importantly, we generally feel like we can accomplish the most necessary, the most important parts of our spiritual life on our own. When someone asks you about their faith, they often use a phrase like, how is your walk with God? And when you answer that question, I bet a lot of the time what you think of is mostly these individual disciplines. Things like reading your Bible and having a quiet time on your own. Praying your individual personal sin and holiness. Sharing your faith with your friends and your coworkers. I think this is a pretty normal way of viewing faith and life. But what Paul is telling us in Romans 12 is that the core of faith, our spiritual lives at its essence, is actually something different. He says that to be a living sacrifice, to live this committed life to God, is primarily a communal experience. First and foremost, it's something that happens as a group uh, together. In a way, the force of verses 1 to 6 is, is kind of Paul saying, you know, to give yourself fully to God, to be a living sacrifice, is to give yourself fully to God's people. To truly commit wholeheartedly to Jesus is to commit. Jesus' group, the group that Jesus sits over as the head of. See, I think we undersell how crazy it is that Paul says that we are like a body, like just how radical that metaphor is, because, you know, we think about and talk about the cooperation aspect of this, right, how we uh, each have a role to play, right, like you're an ear, I'm an eye, don't be embarrassed if you're the butt, it's okay, that's important too. But it isn't just cooperation, although that's a big component. But at the heart of it, it's a metaphor that explains identity, like who we are as God's people. Who we are as a follower of Jesus is intimately connected to the group. There's no version of salvation or redemption that doesn't result in you being intimately connected in your faith story to others. Paul says in verse five, you belong to each other. And when we think about this this body metaphor, right? You think about an eye. And an eye like literally cannot grow if it's separated from the body. An ear has no real purpose or function or being if you cut it off. Uh, last summer, I, I separated my shoulder, this, this one joint here, and it affected my whole life. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't exercise. It affected parts of my body, head to toe. I couldn't, I had a hard time washing my hair and cutting my toenails. It was all of me, This this one injury. Now, this isn't to say that you know, we don't have our own individual lives and faith experience. It's not to say that we can't meet with God or have a relationship with God on our own because God definitely wants to know us as individuals and we're all different. But what Paul is saying is that what is primary about what we, about how we think about ourselves, how we think about growth, how we think about the faith story is the group, that what God wants to do in us and through us and for us is something that he actually wants to do in us and through us and for us together. And so what this passage is is really about is a transforming of how we think about ourselves, about our life, about our faith. It's about a renewing of the mind to think about ourselves, to do the hard work of thinking about ourselves, not as just an individual on our own path, not as somebody who belongs primarily to another group, who gives allegiance to another group of people, but as somebody who is connected to and dependent on and defined by the Jesus group. And this is so important for us today as we think about life and faith in a very individualistic culture. And there's so much that goes into this. Obviously, this isn't something that we can accomplish today in one sermon. But this is one of the reasons why we, you know, have been emphasizing small groups and community You guys remember before the pandemic hit, we were right in the middle of this small group experience and and that was something that uh, we were moving toward and we wanna continue to move towards is to live life in community. And we have a lot of progress to be made in this area. We weren't there before and we're not gonna get there right away. But at the same time, at this moment, for where we are right now, I think this is such an important idea because at the very least, what this passage reminds us of is why this is so important, why it matters that we gather together, why it matters that we sit together in the hot sun in a parking lot, why this is actually really, really good and really, really important. This passage is a reminder of why we need to begin re-engaging in genuine community, both physically and spiritually. Because, you know, we we get it uh, for many of you, as well as many of us. You know, the pandemic version of church, there's a part of it that's been kind of nice. There's a part of it that's been convenient. Maybe part of us thinks, man, man, is is this better? Right? Who doesn't love sleeping in a little bit? Who doesn't love watching a sermon on your own couch, in your pajamas, drinking your own coffee, and just kicking back? You don't have to drive anywhere. You might enjoy not having to make awkward small talk every week. You might be Liking, you know, not having to deal with that challenging person in your small group. It's probably been nice and restful to get a break from, you know, all the areas where you're serving. And I know for sure that all of us have been enjoying all the extra time that we have to go mountain biking. (laughs) Church has been, it's just been one of many commitments that's kind of been taken off the table. And I know a lot of us have been looking at the simplicity of the past year and been thinking like, oh man, what? how do I keep some of that? And I think maybe in doing that, we kind of lump church in with a bunch of other things and a bunch of other groups that maybe are good, that maybe we choose to do, but ultimately are making us more busy and overwhelmed than we want to be. You know, work, commuting, kids' activities, sports, Family commitments and church, and it's been easier without so much to do. And maybe church at home has been like okay, it's it's been fine. We we miss things like we miss our friends, we miss live worship, we miss you know the small group Christmas parties. But there's a part of us that's maybe like, well, this is so much easier. What if it's better? And in the Avengers faith model, something like a pandemic is not ideal, but it isn't really a crisis for our faith. At the end of the day, in this model, you know, when we're apart from each other, you know, our individual, personal walks with Jesus can mostly remain the same. A few changes, a few adjustments here and there, but we can do a lot of the same things we always do. But if faith and life Is by nature communal. If we genuinely are a body then we have to believe that something (laughs) has really been missing and that the way we've been doing things isn't okay. And obviously what we've done for the past year has been out of necessity. We didn't really have a choice. You know we were trying to prioritize safety and responsibility and you know we also know that community isn't just physical presence. You know, our conviction that we could continue to do community remotely is part of why we haven't rushed to reopen and why we're really not trying to push you guys to come back right away. And we've seen that things like a virtual service, post-service Zoom gatherings, discipleship course, virtual happy hour, soul fit, desk building, all of these things are life in the body and we've been able to do a lot of good things. But at the same time, this is a great space to just acknowledge that the way we've been doing things, it's not not better. Despite its convenience, so much is missing. This isn't the transformative community experience that Paul is referring to. Genuine community is about giving our whole self, our, our whole lives, both spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual, to one another. It's about committing to the growth and well-being and purpose of our main group. And so that means we have to do this hard work of getting back to the best version of community we can possibly have. And that means just a lot of simple things. One, just being together talking together, laughing together, sharing life together. It means serving one another sacrificially, loving each other, caring for each other, meeting one another's needs. And and most importantly, it means that every person matters. Right? In this picture of the body, missing one piece, one member, it hurts us. And so we all need to be invested. We need everyone. Everyone the people who like to sing loud in worship or stand in worship, the people who tell funny jokes, and the people who laugh really loud at the funny jokes, and the people who bring snacks and refreshments, the people who help set up the chairs before anyone else sees it. We need to begin doing life together again. So let me just be clear. Here's what I'm I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you love Jesus and you care about community, you've got to be here right now. I'm not saying that, hey, everybody who's here, you guys get a gold star on your CBC little chart. You guys are all good. Everybody who's at home, shame on you. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. We understand that there is a process to coming back. And there are a lot of reasons right now why you might be here or not be here. We know that safety is still a concern. Uh, We're not able to do children's ministries here yet, so it's tough for families. Um, It's a process just to get back into the routine. And so, you know, we're not like paying attention to who's here and who's not here, who we like, who we don't like. It's not that. But I think right now, it's just a great time to recognize how good this is. That it's it's worth it to put in the effort. It's worth it to come back. It's worth it to sit in the sun. It's worth it for things not to be completely and totally perfect and worked out in exactly the way we remember it. It's worth it just to be together. And more important than that, it's important that we recognize some of the lies that maybe are keeping us from coming back or keeping us from enjoying this, keeping us from being excited about this. You know, the lies that say community is optional, that you can, you can do it on your own. You don't really need other people. Maybe for you, the lie is, hey, nobody will even notice. It doesn't matter if you come back. You're not really needed there anyway. I think there are a lot of beliefs that prevent us from experiencing you know, the joy and anticipation and excitement uh, that this moment and these moments in the next uh, several months are bringing. So this morning, just we kind of wrap up. I want to remind you of this invitation to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in believing. That this is how we grow. This is how we do life. This is how we experience Jesus in the most beautiful, redemptive way possible. It's as a body. It's together. Let's pray. God, we do want to thank you for this moment and this opportunity. To simply be together, to listen to a sermon, to worship, and look across the parking lot and see brothers and sisters, members of the body. We want to recognize that that's deeply good. And God, I pray that you would help us to, again, begin to commit ourselves. To growing this community whether in big ways or small whether it's just to show up just to come or to begin to reach out and build new relationships whether it's to worship you wholeheartedly or whether to find new ways to serve and love your body god we simply ask that you would continue this process of growing us together, and we recognize that nothing can stop your plan or your purpose for the church, and God, we're grateful to be a part of it. So God, we love you, and we worship you now, in Jesus' name, amen.